You've heard Lloyd and myself say a number of times in this series, there's more than meets the eye. And that's always true in the way that God works. There's always more than meets the eye. And today we're going to spend a little time recapping the book of Ruth. And then we're going to allow you all, some of you in the room, to share what God has been teaching you through this series and what God's been doing in your life through this series. So you should have gotten one of these when you came in on the seat. I know not all of you will share today. We couldn't have time, and, and, and many of you may not feel led to share, but some of you will. Some of you are going to share some stories about what God's been doing in your life, and it's going to be, no kidding, the most important words that will be spoken here this morning. It won't be mine. It will be those of you who share. So the prompt is this. How has Ruth's story helped you see God in your story? Be thinking about that as I recap the book. And then we'll also give a couple minutes at the end of the message just for some time to reflect and maybe jot some thoughts down. And then we'll invite some of you to share. The book of Ruth tells the story of a middle-aged Hebrew woman who lost everything and then found her emptiness filled to overflowing by God's providence. It's also the story of a young Moabite woman who sacrificed everything she had, her whole future, in love of her mother-in-law and how she found herself covered by the wings of the living God. And it's the story of a humble man from Bethlehem who embodied God's love for these two vulnerable women and found his name remembered for thousands of years. It occurred to me as I was rereading the book over the last week preparing for this morning, it occurred to me that there are really two great truths about God that the book of Ruth teaches. Two giant theological truths. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, if we could just believe these two things about God alone, I think they're enough to transform the way we see everything else in our lives. No exaggeration. So let me give you a little bit of an analogy. I've been wearing contact lenses or glasses since I was in elementary school. I'm essentially blind as a bat when I don't have this in. So every year I go for my annual checkup on my eyes. And, you know, if it's a good year, they haven't changed my prescription. And about a week ago, I went back. And, you know, I'm in my mid-40s now, and I've been starting to have a little bit of trouble reading things up close. So the doctor was talking to me about this. And so he examined my eyes. And the way it works, those of you that have gone to the, the optometrist, they'll check both eyes. They'll cover one, and then they'll have you read something, and then they'll adjust it, you know which is better, number one or number two, number two or number three. And you're just like, they are all the same. <laughs> and then they'll do the other eye. Now, the reason they pay attention to both eyes is because we have two eyes. Both eyes matter. They both have to be right independently so they can work together properly. So uh, for, for this illustration, I actually asked Joe Blair to get some glasses for me, and I have left those backstage so you won't get to see them. Joe, all your work, <laughs> it's backstage. Maybe someone could grab them for me. I think they're on the couch back there. There's a little case of glasses. Okay, if they'll show up, you'll see what they are. Thanks, Alan. So Joe got me these glasses, and I said, Joe, I want you to get the largest frames you can possibly find. I wasn't actually envisioning what he's going to get. Yes, okay. Thank, thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, you saved my bacon there. So thanks for these, Joe. <laughs> now, there's no way I'm preaching the rest of the sermon this way, so don't even expect that. It was hard for me even to put them on when I saw what he'd gotten, so thank you. I'm grateful. But they serve the purpose because what you'll notice about these, they're called glasses, plural. They've got two lenses, you need both of these lenses in order to see clearly. So think about the two great truths that we learn in the book of Ruth as a set of theological glasses. When you put these glasses on, it helps you see everything else in your life with 
clarity, with a new perspective. So let's talk about these two lenses. We'll go through them one at a time, and then we'll kind of put them both together at the end. The first, you will not be surprised, the first lens, first truth about God we learn in the book of Ruth is God's providence, the idea that God is in control. This is a word we've been talking about throughout the series. Providence is, in fact, it's, it's the subtitle of our series. Ordinary providence is what we've called this series. We'll put on the screen one last time the uh, answer to the question, what are God's works of providence from the Westminster Shorter Catechism? And, and I'll ask the question, and then let's all together one more time give the answer to this question. What are God's works of providence? God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions. Simply means God is in control. He's not in control of some things. He's in control of all things. I love the way Lloyd put it on week one when he introduced this definition. Lloyd said, that says easy, but lives hard. And I have found that to be true. It's easy to say, when Ruth found herself in the field of Boaz at just the right time, that was God's providence. It's much harder to accept that the famine in Bethlehem, the deaths of Elimelech and his two sons were also part of God's providence. For me, there was a key moment in this series, a key passage, a key text, where I started thinking a little differently than I ever had before about the providence of God. It might not be a passage you'd expect. It was from chapter one, verses 20 through 21. We'll put it on the screen and, and I'll reread it. This is Naomi returning to Bethlehem. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. I'd taught this book in the past. I'd read this book a number of times. And, and honestly, I'd always sort of interpreted uh, Naomi's words as someone whose theology had gotten very skewed by the pain in her life. And I remember when we were planning this whole series in a, a worship planning meeting with myself and Lloyd and our worship pastors and production folks, we were talking about where do we want to go in this series? And we got to this part of the story. And I remember Lloyd asking a question. And the question stayed with me. It was this. Was Naomi a good theologian or just a bitter widow? And Lloyd asked that question when he taught this part of the story. I've thought about that question a lot. Was Naomi right? Could it possibly be? Or was she just blaming God for things that she wasn't happy about? Well, what we know is true is Naomi never stopped believing in God. In fact, if you think about it, it was her faith in God's providence that caused her to attribute to him the calamities in her life. Now, maybe she was right about God's responsibility, but perhaps misinterpreted the meaning of God's actions. But that doesn't take away the fact that I think Naomi was a good theologian when it comes to the providence of God. Of course, the answer to Lloyd's question, which he answered in one of his messages, was Naomi a good theologian or a bitter widow? She's both. Naomi had a big faith. That's what we've been talking about as we've gone through this series. And she wasn't afraid to look God square in the eye and lay her pain at his feet. 
In week two of the series, we put a little QR code on the screen and asked you to hold up your phone and scan the code. It took you to a website, and in that website, we invited you to fill in this blank, name a loss in your life. And we put those up in real time, and we took a screenshot of what we all texted in, and you can see those on this screen over here. I remember when those came on the screen, this, this sense of those are real. You know, those aren't just theoretical losses. Those were actual things that you all, that we all wrote down. They're not just pixels typing in a phone that ended up on a screen. These are actual things that we are walking through as a body. Three weeks later, Lloyd asked you to do a similar thing, but this time the prompt is name a gain in your life. Name something that you're worshiping God for, a blessing in your life. And we'll put up on this screen over here the responses to that question. Over here on your left are our losses and on your right are our hallelujahs. The question that we've wrestled with together in this series is which of these screens is part of God's providence? Which of these is he in control of? Which of these have passed through his hand? Sometimes the providence of God is an easy lens through which to view your life. Often it is not. It is difficult. Because when you actually believe that the providence of God is a true characteristic of him, then you start to view everything in your life the good, the bad, the losses, the hallelujahs is from God's hand. If God is in control of all things, what does that mean about my suffering, my pain, my family, my relationships? God is in control of all things. To believe otherwise means he's not as strong as he says he is. And then how can we trust him? That's the first lens that we learn to view God through in the book of Ruth, the lens of, of providence. But that's just the first lens. There is a second truth about God we've been learning that is just as important and just as true. And that's the lens of God's steadfast love. Besides the word providence, the word we've been talking about most in the book of Ruth is the Hebrew word hesed. We'll put a definition of hesed on the screen. Hesed, you might spell it in English, H-E-S-E-D. It's steadfast love or affection rooted in a committed relationship. God is committed to us. He loves us. His love is loyal. It is steadfast. Some of the ways it's translated in various versions of our English Bible are loyal love, faithfulness, unfailing kindness, devotion. In the ESV, which is what we've been using, it's translated steadfast love. The word hesed appears in Ruth over and over again. What's interesting about it is it's, it's usually used in the context of one human being expressing that to another. And what we've learned as we've walked through this book is Human beings are called to embody God's character. Human beings are called to represent or to express the Hesed loyal love of God. This word originated or it came from or it became rooted in Hebrew theology from God's mouth itself, himself. 
In Exodus 34, God passed before Moses and he revealed his identity. That was a huge moment in Hebrew history because God was forming a nation. He was self-revealing himself. He's saying, I'm not like any other God, any other so-called God. This is who I am. And he uses the word hesed. He said, I'm a God who is abounding in hesed, steadfast love, keeping hesed for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That is who God is. Hesed describes the character of the God of the covenant, the God who loves and doesn't know any other way than to love, the God who will always love and will always keep his promises because he cannot fail to keep them. So when Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. She was expressing God's love to Naomi. God was expressing his love for Naomi through Ruth. And so Naomi may have heard Ruth's voice, but she was in reality hearing God's words spoken through Ruth to a woman who desperately needed to be reminded that God's love for her is steadfast. Later, when Boaz took notice of Ruth in the field and then stood before the elders and proclaimed he was going to promise to marry her and redeem her and bring her and Naomi back into the family, God was expressing Hesed love for the women through Boaz. It was God's love. It's always God's character being expressed. And then as we saw last week, the Hesed love that was in Boaz, originating from God, was then perpetuated through the generations. And so it passed down from Boaz to his son, Obed, from Obed to his son, Jesse, from Jesse to his son, David, the man after God's own heart. And of course, from David all the way down to Jesus Christ, who is the full and complete embodiment of God's steadfast love. Jesus Christ is Hesed in the flesh. He is love come to earth. So in the book of Ruth, we learn, yes, God's in control of all things. That's always true. But we also learn something else, that God is steadfast love. So in God's control, in his power, in his providence, in the way that he's governing all of creation, he is doing it in a way that is emanating from his character. It is emanating from who he is at his core, which is steadfast love. That's what motivates him. That's what's inside of him. Think of it this way. If you could cut God open, he would bleed Hesed love. Mankind did cut God open. And he did bleed love. As we've been walking through the happy ending of the book of Ruth in the last two or three weeks, there is a subset of you that I've had on my mind. I've wondered how the end of the story has felt to those of you who haven't had happy endings. I can imagine someone saying, of course this story's in the Bible. It all turned out well for these women in the end. But what about the multitudes of women who were never noticed by a wealthy landowner? 
What about the people who died in poverty that were never redeemed and brought back into the protection of a family? Or what about the women who were taken advantage of rather than treated with kindness and dignity? What about the graves of the brokenhearted who died lonely and childless? Those are real questions. As I was wrestling with some of those questions this week, it occurred to me, yes, this happy ending story is in the Bible, but not all the stories in the Bible have happy endings. I thought about Hebrews chapter 11, which is often called the Faith Hall of Fame. Really what Hebrews 11 is, it's a catalog of people who believed in God and it did not end in redemption for them. You go back and read that chapter sometime. It's just man after man, woman after woman who God did not answer the prayers that they had. God did not see the redemption to fullness in their lifetimes. But they trusted God anyway because they knew even when they died, he wasn't done yet. So here's a way to think about it. Not all the stories in the Bible have happy endings, but the story the whole Bible tells does. In other words, very often the pieces of our lives are not all put back together as clean and neat as we see in the book of Ruth. But the story of the Bible is that every broken piece will be restored in the end. So here's what that means for you, those without happy endings in your lives. Your story will end in redemption. You're just not to that part yet. And there's no promise in the Bible that says you'll see it this side of your own grave. But you will see it. I love it in Revelation 21 when Jesus says, I've made all things new. All things new. Not some things. Not just, you know, a couple threads here and there. Jesus is going to make all things new. And so this is where the two lenses come together. If, if you think about it, this is, way. this is where you have to hold these two great theological truths in perspective or in tension with each other. Because as we'll see on the screen, you know, God's providence means he's in control of all things. His steadfast love means he'll not stop working until all things are made new. As Lloyd said last week, he said, God is always working for our good and his glory and in time he will be vindicated. What does that mean, God will be vindicated? It means that in the end, God's providence and God's steadfast love will be the two great truths that every eye will see. If you believe these two things about God, the core of your soul, you will see everything in your life a little differently. But here's why you have to hold them both together. You see, it's not enough to just believe that God is in control of all things without believing that he is also loving because if you don't believe God is at his core steadfast love, then you'll just see him as an angry dictator. You'll never trust him. It's also not enough just to see God as loving 
and kind without also believing that he really is in control of all things because then he's just sort of a good-natured but ultimately impotent benefactor who you know, maybe wants to help you but has no true ability to do so. And so you'll never trust him. It is the combination of the two that give you true eyes to see. It is God's providence and it is God's steadfast, loyal love. The God of Naomi, the God of Ruth, the God of Boaz is both strong and loving. He is in control and in charge and emanating from his core is steadfast faithfulness, love. He will make all things well. May our study through the book of Ruth and the testimony of all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation lead us to see everything in our lives through these two lenses. I want to give you a few minutes now just to reflect on what God has been teaching you and what's been going on in your life and we've been walking through this series together so it's time now to go ahead and pull out your card. And I know many of you obviously won't share but I want you to write, any, write something anyway. I want to, well, at least I want to really encourage you to. There are some pens in the pockets in front of you. You know, you, you've come this morning. Why did you come? Well, you came to worship. You came to learn. You came to open God's word. Don't stop short of receiving what God, one last lesson he might impart on you that's very personal in these next few minutes. So I just want to encourage you to focus on that. I want to encourage you just to write down some thoughts. Some of you will share. And for those of you who will share, I want to thank you because you're giving a gift to our body. So let's take a couple of minutes right now. We'll... we'll just sit, some music will play over us, and we'll have just two minutes right now just to write some things down. How has Ruth's story helped you see God and your story? Let's go ahead and reflect on that now. front and I've done this enough times I know how this works it's really hard to get the first person or two to come down and then after that you know the floodgates start opening up and people line up and we've got time we want to hear from you 
we want to be a body. I love what Carl said earlier. He said, this is not a performance. This is us coming together to worship Jesus together. We want to hear your voice as a part of this. If you're kind of feeling nervous right now, if you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should talk or not, it's probably the Spirit saying you should talk. So if you're having that feeling, come on down and I promise it'll be okay. Let God use you. Let God use you. So who would like to be first? Just come down. We've got two microphones, one over here and one over here. Come down to the end of the aisle and just share with us. How has Ruth's story helped you see God in your story? Thank you, Joy. What I was gonna say, introduce yourself. I just did. This is Joy. Thank you, um, Rob. But share with us, Joy. Thank you. Ruth's story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. She didn't necessarily know where she was in that process at any given time. So she had to trust God. So do I. Amen. Beginning, middle, and an end. We don't know where we are. That is a good word. Thank you, Joy. Someone else come down and share. Thank you. Just come on down and feel free if you want to, if you know you're going to share, you can go ahead and move forward. And we've got a couple seats in front of both of these microphones. You can just sit there and wait your turn. That would be a great way to do. Thank you. Come on down. This can be something you wrote. It can just be something from your heart. Introduce yourself and then share with us what you'd like to share. Hi, I'm Larissa. Um, I've learned throughout this story that God is with me. He is for me. He will get me through my heartache. He will redeem my mistakes. His hand is at work in my life, even when I turn away from it and go my own way. His love never fails. He is in control. I am not. Amen. Thank you, Larissa. Amen. Good morning. My name is uh, Chris, and um, through the book of Ruth, um, I think what I've learned uh, just for myself, and then I've, I've tried to share with others, and I think you know, with me sharing it to, with others also helps me believe it as well. But, you know, we live in a very uh, fallen, broken world right now. And I think we have the ability, or actually we just see the world th the way that we see it. And if you're looking at things that happen right now, you think like the world is falling apart. There's, I, I work in the financial industry. It's, uh, it's been a horrible three months. Uh, you guys can attest to that, I'm sure. Um, you know, but I'm trying to remind my clients that, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world and that God is working. And if you don't believe that, then pick up the book of Ruth and look at all the death and tragedy that took place early in that book. And if you don't think they thought the world was coming to an end, I mean, come on, just, just pick up the book of Ruth. And, and it's, a, it's a good reminder that God is working even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, uh, he's out there working according to his plan and according to his timeline. Chris, thank you for sharing that. Come on down. Who else would like to share? Just thank you. Share whatever you'd like to as you reflect on this book. Yeah, come on down. If you know you're going to share, just come forward. You can sit in some seats near these microphones. Go ahead. Uh, my name is Christy, and we're new here. Um, oh, God when I lost my husband um, of 33 years to cancer. I thought my life was over. But like Naomi, God showed me he has more in store for me and he's been so faithful. So I really identified with Naomi and uh, just so grateful for this story and it really has spoken to me. So thank you. Thank you, Christy.
Pull that, pull that microphone down a little bit. There we go. Hi, my name is Rebecca, um, and I want to share how learning about God's providence has changed my um, perspective on things in my life. And um, uh, last fall, I had a baby, and the last few months, I have really struggled to give him the love um, that he deserves and that I want to give him because I've just held been held back by um, shame from my past. And... Um, I begin to understand that no amount of mistakes that I have made would put me outside of God's providence for me. Um, and in his loving kindness, he had given me a great gift, which continues to draw me to him and has changed my life for the better forever. And through my sweet boy, I've experienced a, gl a glimpse of God's love, grace, and forgiveness. And I now know that I can love Henry with all that I am because Jesus has redeemed my past and he loves me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, my name's Kenny G. And uh, through the book Ruth, I kind of seen a woman that felt like she had so much but was stripped away and became bitter. And uh, 2012, I kind of had those same symptoms. I, I dealt with incarceration, then divorce. I lost everything that I owned and worked for. And you know, everything comes in threes. So in 2014, I lost my mother. And uh, anybody who's the baby of the family, you know, there's that special bond with your mother. You know, every time I went to Walmart, I'm getting Ninja Turtles, you know? She spoiled the crap out of me, you know? So, uh, you know, it made my sisters, a little, my sisters a little bitter with me, but you know, I was uh, the chosen one with my mother. So when I lost her, I was angry with God. I went back to drug addiction, but uh, I felt like I lost everything, but really God was always waiting for me in the darkness. And uh, then both of my sisters stepped up and have done everything to make me a better person. My sister Kim actually left a good job in Denver and moved back and has done nothing but give and give and give to help me become a better man, a better community, the member and a better son to God. And uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. It's able to make me rebuild. I'm still not getting my, uh, my toys from Walmart from her, but I'm working on that. So God bless y'all. Hey, Kenny, did you tell me that your sister was here? Is she here? Is Kim here? Yeah, she's going to get mad at me. Oh, get mad at me, Kim. Where are you? Raise your hand. Where's Kim? Thank you, Kim. Thank you for being an embodiment of God's steadfast love for Kenny. I think we had somebody else. Come on up. We've got time for a few more, so. Hi, I'm Brooke. I'm gonna keep this brief because I'm a crier. But um, just a backstory. I, oh goodness, um, I have the wonderful privilege of getting to be a young life leader um, at my old high school, and I have one friend that I get to be friends with. She's in high school, um, and this semester uh, she opened up about some really hard things she was experiencing at home, which resulted in me having to report it, um, which was really hard and really, I mean, for lack of a better terms, I was really, really angry with God that, um, and I was angry at the whole situation. Um, of course, she was really, really mad at me. Like, of course, you're telling a high schooler that um, this is something that you have to do, and they can't understand it. I had no expectation that she would be um, really happy with me. And so for about a whole semester, she 
didn't come to anything. Um, wouldn't text me back. Um, and that was really hard, and I was really angry with God, and um, I just didn't really give it to Him, and just continued to live life um, really frustrated and passive towards Him in that situation. Um, and finally, I just asked the Lord um, to just bring her back. That's all I wanted um, was just for her to text me back. That's it. Um, and then I just continued being passive about it. Um, and I kind of, I, um, really related to Naomi, um, just her bitterness about it. Um, and about two weeks ago, randomly, she signed up to go to summer camp, which was really a big answer to prayer because all I wanted was a text back. And so it just really reminded me that the Lord not only answers prayers, but he really goes above and beyond. And so that's it. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. All right. Let's go one, two, three. And I think that's going to be it. Gotcha. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Joshua Phillips. Uh, two days before we started this series, uh, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. And so it's been so meaningful to walk through this time. I can't tell you how many times since Amy and I have been at this church that the, the passages we're in have been so applicable. And I remember when Carl first introduced the song this, that he played today that said, this disease won't steal my joy. It just seems so perfect for the time we were in. And so just seeing God's goodness in his hand and trusting in his providence uh, in this season with my dad has been just extremely meaningful. Thank you, Joshua. Hello, I'm Rachel Vasquez, and I'm from El Shaddai Christian Church. I'm the ambassador for today. And um, I first wanted to share that, that the words that I was able to sing today um, f felt like felt like God wrote them specifically <laughs> in my story. Um, the first part, this barren womb won't take my hope. My husband and I struggled for 12 years before God gave us two beautiful kids through adoption. And now I wouldn't change any chapter of that story, even though in the midst of those 12 years of, of grief, um, it felt at times that the Lord had abandoned us. But now we look back and see how he wrote a perfect story. Well, it's, it's going to be perfect um, someday. And then the next line was this crushing loss um, won't stop my prayer. And many of you know, well, you saw the video that as a church family, the crushing loss that we were dealt last September, um, it felt like the whole reality came crashing down. But when we got to the bottom of it, what was the firm foundation that was actually holding us and sustaining us was the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to, from El Shaddai Church, say thank you to fellowship for um, the outpouring of love. And because you have been that tangible um, uh, a provision and, and providence of God here in, in, in this earth, in this city, in, in your bodies and, and I'm just so thankful. I am so thankful for this family that God has given us and I just wanna bless each one of you and thank you. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, 
I'm Amy. Um, I have loved God for a very long time. I've taught about his love. I have experienced amazing things that he's done. Um, but in this last and during, even during this season of this study, um, it culminated in the ending of, of something, an extreme loss in my life, um, loss of what never was, loss of what could have been. And yet there was this extreme redemption as well and a freedom. And uh, as I looked at Ruth and Naomi, I saw that there was always this overhanging, but there's God. Ruth saying, I'm gonna follow you and your God. Naomi saying, whatever she was saying about God, it was still, this is much bigger than me. There's this inexplainable hope that always will be because of who he is. And I've been getting to share, I teach second grade now, never saw that one coming. And I've even gotten to share with my students, like it's not about what he allows in our lives or, or what happens to us. It is about who he is. And in that is where our trust is, is his character. It's, it's as if my purpose is to like Ruth say, God, who you are is who I want to be and to know and to become like. And then to say, God, wherever you are, that's, that's where I want to be. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Okay, we're not, we're not done because I think we got a couple more. Would you like to share? Come on up. And then do we have one more here? Okay, we'll come over here and then we'll end with you. So, so two more. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jazira. I'm from uh, Sudan. And um, throughout my life, I lived in war um, my entire life. And um, also, I've been separated with my dad through that, uh, during that time for seven years when I was younger. So um, during um, the war time, I lost friends in front of me. I lost my best cousin um, in front of me during, um, through the fight. And um, so Naomi's doubt in God during those times was me. And I was starting to question God, but uh, through that lifetime, through my loss and all that, God's promise um, and God's work in me, I see that it never ends. And that has led me to the path of life that I could never imagine. Mm. Jazira, thank you for sharing. Amen. Hi, I'm Sally, and I just wanted to um, uh, say that when the, the hesed of God comes to you, it is usually in such wondrous, unexpected moments. And I love that about him. I'm like, God, I'm on this exciting journey with you, and I can't wait to see your goodness burst upon me. And I have a word for Rob today from the Lord in regard to the challenging relationships we have with children as they're growing up in our household, because at the beginning of the pandemic, at the age of 67, 
God's hesed broke upon my husband and myself through a comment from our daughter-in-law. So in March of 2020, we began through her initiation or her wanting to do a study in the book of Revelation with our daughter-in-law, our son in Columbus, with our daughter and son-in-law in Tampa, Florida, every Sunday afternoon at three on Zoom, We went through the entire book of Revelation, and this year we're going through Daniel with the help of Ron Rhodes from Dallas, uh, John Walverd, and David Jeremiah's um, books, and I never would have ever thought to pray to be in a Bible study with my children, and here God's given it to me at the age of 67, and it has been a wondrous journey. We each take turns moderating. See, that doesn't have the the scariness of teaching, so we each moderate. I say, all you have to do is ask the questions, and then the rest of us are required to give the answers, so I've seen my kids come to look for God's goodness being passed in their life and for answers to prayers. And they have incredibly shared things with us that they probably wouldn't have told us otherwise. But I'm just going to tell you in your future, God has something really exciting with you and your kids. Thank you, Sally. I'll receive that. Thank you. It's one thing to read a story that took place 3,000 years ago and hear that God is still working. And we hear these stories today and it's a reminder to us, he is the same God. And so for now, we see with eyes of faith, someday our faith will be made sight. May it be soon. Amen.